Jobs, not mobs. Uh, part of President Trump's message at these rallies to close out this election cycle over the weekend and, of course, into today. Some think uh, he's focusing too much on the caravan, which, by the way, over the weekend, Homeland Security said there are 12,000 people in this caravan, people from 20 different countries. But, yes, of course, he's touting the economy. They all say, speak about the economy, speak about the economy. Well, we have the greatest economy in the history of our country. But sometimes it's not as exciting to talk about the economy, right? I'm excited to talk about It's exciting when uh, you get uh, 250,000 jobs, as was the October jobs number, and you get uh, wage growth continuing to take up 3.1% this year. So uh, the other other thing that's exciting about it, uh, per Larry Kudlow, Trump's top economic advisor, over the weekend on with uh, Maria Bartiromo, is that it's reaching down into blue-collar jobs in terms of the wage increases, the good economic times, the growth. I am not worried. I mean, I hear all this stuff about a sugar high and temporary and not sustainable. I mean, for one thing, that 250,000 gain in employment, which was, uh, you know, a blockbuster. Uh, I remember tell- I told the president about it Thursday evening. He said, whoa, whoa. And Kevin Hassett and I were really surprised. Look, you got 3.1% rise in wages. You got 250,000. We're running solidly. You know who the biggest beneficiaries are, Maria? Blue-collar workers. Take a look at the numbers. The employment increase is uh, largely centered on blue-collar workers. They're the big winners, fastest since the 80s. And they are the ones experiencing the largest wage gains. Blue-collar workers have beaten white-collar workers. I'm nothing against white-collar workers. I'm just saying this is a very depth. You know, it's reaching down deep into the blue-collar area. That is precisely what we wanted with our supply-side tax cuts across the board and deregulation of the president's program. It is working, It's working, uh, and uh, they're noodling on an additional middle-income tax cut that the president had sort of proposed off the cuff. Uh, that's uh, oh, that's right. under consideration. And then the other big issue, the thing that arguably is not working, I would argue, uh, at least unless you get to where Larry Kudlow wants it to go, which is a lower tax, lower tariff environment for trade, is the matter of the skirmish on trade between China and the United States. Kudlow saying to Bart Romo, this is going to be a topic. President Xi of China and President Trump will discuss this at the upcoming G20 summit at the end of this month. It is now certain that the two presidents will discuss trade at the G20 meeting in Argentina. That's a good, positive, optimistic thing. Now, look, I spoke to President Trump uh, yesterday, okay? We had a long talk about the China position. He believes that China's weakening economy, by the way, their PMI is down to 50, so that shows they're on the cusp here of a recession. Anyway, President Trump believes China would like a trade deal. And President Trump is the first president in decades to push push this issue. We're not going to let them get away with unfair and illegal trading practices. Now, having said that, President Trump told me he would make a deal with China, okay? But it has to be a deal that is strong and in America's interest. 
Yeah, well, that stands to reason. The question is, what does that look like? For more on both of these topics, pleased to be joined by CNBC contributor Jim Urio, also the proprietor of Brant's in Palatine. Oh, yes, that's right. Great hamburger there, I'm told, by Jim. We need to do a live remote from there. Uh, We should. the better. I want one of those burgers, and I'd like to meet you in person. Or he could have, you know, Uber eat some burgers out to us. That would be nice, or, you know. Stop no, by. No. I like my no, medium. No, I have to, I have to no. go. No, no not, you don't, he's not you, doing you don't that. do road trips? I won't let them over eat that out to you. You have to come to Brand. There yeah. you go. Got to eat it fresh. There you <laughs> right. go. Uh, so, uh, Jim, one thing Larry Kudlow said that um, I, follow-up, I think, is demanded. Uh, China on the cusp of a recession. He's describing China's weakening economy. Well, uh, China on in recession is not good for the United States, is it? No, not at all. Um, and when you look, you mentioned you know the trade tariffs before too, and, and G took a uh, a little bit of a swipe at Trump last night, which I, I'm sure is probably logical considering we have elections a day away. If the elections go the way of the conservatives, I think G's attitude may change afterwards. But the reality is, is this: remember, if you if we get a, a recession in this country, people go to the ballot box and remove politicians. If they get a recession in China, they can withstand a recession in China, and the, the, the people don't they don't have to worry about re-election quite as much as us. All they have to worry about is at some point revolution if they drive the, the economy too far into the ground, which I, right. I'm hoping is far off there. So this, like you said, this is of all the things, uh, the macroeconomic policies, I agree with 100%. The tariff thing, I don't agree with 100%. If it works, that's going to be beautiful and wonderful, and I'll be glad to be wrong, but I worry about it. Well, how long do you think it's going to take to work itself out? Well, I, I spoke to Larry on, on Friday, and by the way, I'm not above name-dropping. I hope you guys know yeah, that. No. You just name-dropped very well, by we, the way. We okay. tell everybody you well. after Thank you're you. on the show that you were on the show. Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, I spoke to Larry on Friday, and he, he wants people to understand that this is going to be a long process. And his theme is just say yes to something, meaning China. You know what I mean? Just start this ball rolling. And if we do get a yes on anything... Um, it's what was implied in his speech was that the, the ball will be rolling in the right direction and things will move. But, you know, again, we've got to get that yes. Well, but if uh, you see a significant market correction in 2019, for example, and you see perhaps GDP growth slowing a bit, that puts a lot of pressure on President Trump to make a move, particularly if, for example, you've got a, a divided Congress, which is a possibility. Without question, if that happens, I do believe. But I think it'll be everything is going to be spun in the media. So, you know, we'll probably go back to to where we were before and then claim victory in that we sent a message to China that we're not going to be messed with anymore. And and I guess that's fine. But, yeah, if market corrections will change things, not only will they change things from um, an administration standpoint, they change things from the Fed as well. Fed doesn't like when risk assets are declining. I'm surprised that they've withstood this recent volatility and not changed their tone at all. And I think we're very close to having them do that if we see any further, um, you know, stark downside. Do you think in the last, you know, you know, 34 hours before the election day that President Trump should be pushing the accomplishments of the economy more than he is immigration or this well i I know that's what i would and by the way the single most important thing of the economic story is being left out everywhere i heard it and i cannot stress this enough when we talk about the good job numbers we talk about the good gdp numbers we have to also talk about the fact that two-year yields in this same time that Donald Trump has been elected president have gone from 0.8 to 2.9. The implications of that means that the market, financial markets, believe in supply-side economics. They believed it from the day he was elected, and they continue that belief now. 2.9 um, two-year yield is amazing. And that's what Donald Trump um, 
always you know beats the drum about is Barack Obama at times in his presidency had um, okay GDP numbers, but they were always against the backdrop of unbelievable accommodation from the Fed. To be doing this now with much much less Fed accommodation is startling. And then when he says things like the greatest economy ever, and then everyone jumps to say, well, no, it's not. No, it's not. It seriously might be when you take into account the the lack of accommodation over the last two and a half years. An underreported aspect of the story as well is the wage growth after more than a lost decade for middle-income families. And Kudlow wanted to emphasize that point that what you're seeing under this economy, that the supply side tax cuts and deregulation is uh, growth happening in you know middle income and specifically blue collar families. Those families who frankly put Trump in the White House in the Midwest. Is that a statement with which you agree? Without any question at all. I mean, it's absolutely working. And guess what? It's working just like the book said it was. Do, when you institute supply-side trickle-down, do the rich get richer? Yeah, the rich get richer. It's a cost of doing business and that type of economic policy. But that's the beauty of it is that it really does trickle-down. You say, oh, it didn't work after the Reagan thing. Sure, it worked. Yeah, maybe it was a little too concentrated on the high end, and maybe it can, it can be adjusted. But, of course, injecting money in the economy has absolutely worked. Anyone who takes the other side of that wrong. I mean, this is a short debate. We we win. Supply side worked. Uh, our, uh, your, our colleague and your friend, uh, Scott Shalady, was on the show on Friday. We were talking about the jobs numbers. And one of the things he said is that you get uh, continued jobs numbers like this and wage growth and labor participation upticks. Then maybe the Fed will be able to address the thing that uh, frightens uh, many uh, on Wall Street the most, uh, including Rick Santelli, which is unwinding from a decade of quantitative easing of easy money. Is that uh, your yeah. view as well? Sure. Yeah. And that's and that's obviously, you know, terrifying. Um, and I don't you know, we've never been in this situation before where the Fed has a four trillion dollar balance sheet and what the hell they're going to do with it. I, I have no idea. Oh, I'm sorry if I said that on air and that's bad. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, they can let a lot of it wind down, and hopefully they can, if they're going to actually, you know, call a primary dealer and say, you know, make me a market on a trillion dollars worth of bonds, I think that the market couldn't withstand that. So they're going to have to come up with non-conventional ways to unwind as well. All right, so I was at this investor conference on Friday. Mm, and, uh Well, I, you know, so I gotta, gotta, what did you learn? i got to put my money to work if I'm going to get out okay. of this godforsaken state. Uh, so um, the uh, one of the... Um, one of the pres- presenters uh, makes the point that uh, um, people uh, continue, people buy what they wish they would have bought and they sell when they're about to need it with respect to uh, just sort of um, mistiming the market. And his suggestion is that uh, with unemployment under uh, this low, under 5%, we've never had uh, positive market returns for the five years subsequent. And his recommendation is, and belief is that you're going to see a massive market correction in 2019 that we may even go into recession in 2019 and that your money should be in private investments or cash not in equities i didn't hear whose name you said that but i guess it doesn't really matter yeah. in that in that there's a bunch of guys who preach this kind of thing um i don't i'm not for it i think that you can cite a statistic like you did about unemployment but say that we we really had a lost eight year 
period, probably even more, of economic growth. So this cycle is going to be a little bit more uh, drawn out than the others as we slowly come out of it. I don't, I don't believe in that at all. I think you, you go with the George Costanza method of buying is, and selling is the best way. When everybody in the world wants to sell it and every fiber in your brain says sell, you buy. I don't know if you remember that Seinfeld episode. It was crazy, but it was yeah. some of the best investment advice I've ever heard. <laughs> and when everybody is buying watch and, and your, your mind says buy, that's probably a time you're supposed to sell. All right, so ignore the guys managing multi-billion-dollar pension funds yeah. and endowments, and, and focus George on George's Casanza. Yeah, <laughs> probably some thing. of the best financial advice anybody's ever offered. Best uh, I ever got. All right, he is Jim Urio, CNBC contributor, and uh, if you haven't, uh, and you're in the northwest suburban Cook County region, stop by Brant's for a burger in Palatine. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Thanks. And he joined us on our Turnkey Dot Pro Answer line. You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.